life with unlimited options. Not an unlimited life. Not a life without limits. But a life with unlimited options. I always hear people talk about living without limits or a life unlimited or an unlimited life or don't put limits on your life. That's not exactly what I'm talking about today. Um, the way that we live in 2021. And th- this is, in my opinion, indicative of the high majority, but is most definitely not representative of everyone. Um, it's hard to do anything that's representative of everyone, but it's representative of a lot. And, <coughs> excuse me, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, I was born in 1982, so if you're a kid of the 80s, 70s, no matter what, I think you'll be able to identify uh, even the 90s. Think back on your childhood. Let's look at simple, simple things. It's watching Saturday morning cartoons. I think it's an activity many people enjoyed. I know I enjoyed it. And it's an activity that was doesn't look like it has a whole lot of cultural significance and, and it may or may not. That's debatable. Anything is debatable. But when you watched Saturday morning cartoons, for the most part, it was because the largest opportunity to watch cartoons was on Saturday morning. Uh, the further you go back in generations, 70s and back, that becomes even more true. I know the Flintstones was a prime time um, show when it came out. I know that only because of my son and his addiction to animation, but it kind of made me think about that. The way my son does things and the way he takes in information and entertainment, it, it really what more or less spurred this on. The options were you got up on Saturday morning, you watched cartoons early block of the day, and you watched what was shown. And you only watched what was shown. It made you appreciate what was shown. It made you appreciate these cartoons that you couldn't really get many other places. Now, you know, I had USA Cartoon Express on weekday mornings and things of that nature, but to actually have nothing else to do that day, no school, nothing to sit down. Saturday morning was kind of my morning to sit down and watch cartoons. And I still think back on those days fondly, and I tried to somewhat do that with my son ever since he was younger. Saturday mornings, I got up, I didn't have to work. And try to watch cartoons. He doesn't really like that. Uh, in fact, he doesn't like it at all. But why Why would he? You know, I, I could sit and go, well, you know, he's this and this and it's because of this. But if I looked at, honestly at myself, if I had the option as a kid <clears throat> of saying, you can only watch this block of cartoons at this time on Saturday morning, and you can only watch these cartoons, these cartoons that were curated and chosen by someone else. If that were my option, how differently would I react if 
An alternative option was put forth to me of saying here. Here's the ability to look up almost any cartoon ever made. To watch it whenever you want. It's at the tip of your fingers at your disposal. There's no scheduled time, no scheduled order. It's completely and totally open to you. Your options are limitless. Now, as a teenager in the 90s, um, waiting for a specific music video on MTV, you know, waiting for that one music video I wanted to see in this ocean of pop junk that I had no desire to hear, I would wait with bated breath. I would record these videos on VHS and watch them over and over again. Same with radio. I would take and hook the television coax cable into the back of my stereo so that I could pick up radio stations far off. I'd wait through endless playlists of song after song after song for the one song I was waiting to hear and record it on cassette tape, waiting until it was available somewhere, or I could find it, or I could afford it, and I could get it. Waiting for a movie to come on TV and recording it, commercials and all, and missing certain parts of the movie because it was cut for TV and cut for editing. And At that age, at that time, if you had come to me and said, here, here's unlimited music videos, any music video you want, any time you want it, here it is. Here's all the music ever made, basically, uh, at the palm of your hands. Anytime you want it, anytime you want to find it, here it is. Here's any movie. The movies you can't go and look for four hours digging through everything at a video store and, and find. The movies that barely got released. The movies you'd only heard about. Movies you'd never heard about. Here it is. Unlimited access, for the most part, to these movies. At the most a small monetary expense if you find one you choose to watch. If you'd come to me at 16 and give me the option, <coughs> excuse me, for unlimited movies, unlimited music, how could I turn that down? Two of the most important things in my life, especially at that time. How could I turn that down? I wouldn't. I don't know that anybody would. Now, you may make the argument that I valued those music videos and those movies and things more at that time. But is wanting something because you don't have it, is that valuing that? Or is wanting something because you don't have it in all actuality limiting your ability to intake it, ingest it, and really understand how much it means to you. I could look at it from either way. I mean, it's it's a very debatable issue to me. But that life at 16, as far as intake of entertainment, was limited. Let's look at the ability to connect with friends over great distance, 
outside of social settings, outside of school, outside of that, you know, if at 10 or 12 years old I had the ability to come home and talk to all of my friends, anyone I wanted to, and find new people and interact with them every day. I mean, that in comparison to coming home and, you know, maybe one friend getting to come home with you and maybe that's not every day for everyone. And, you know, there's a lot of evenings and a lot of days by yourself, playing by yourself, kind of uh, adventuring and learning things on your own. There's an argument to be made there that that time alone, that time unconnected helps in some way develop who you are and allows for thought and reflection and very well possibly could allow for you to consider how you will interact and how you will connect with people when you do see them. What about the limits of information? In 1995... Limited to your own personal knowledge, knowledge that is obtained from the people around you in a limited circle, from the library and limited access to it, you know, information uh, that is only provided by news organizations or possibly a, a television show that would be scheduled viewing. Um because a lot of life at one point in time, uh, the further you go back, was scheduled. Meals were heavily scheduled. Um, entertainment was definitely heavily scheduled. Social time and social interaction, very scheduled. All of these things were parts of a day or parts of a life but not constant parts of a life. And they were parts of a life that had to be planned out and great thought had to be put into them and consideration on on how and what one might do in the limited time and opportunity given. I don't believe anyone looked at life, maybe some visionaries did, But I don't think anyone looked at life and looked at it as limited. Limited in opportunity, limited in schedule, limited in experience in those days. That was simply life. I look back on those days very fondly. Those days of my childhood, the 80s, the 90s. The question is, do I look back on them fondly just due to nostalgia? Just due to a longing to be young, for a longing to have back things that have happened, out of possibly the fear of what will happen, or the inability to appreciate what has not yet happened, or do I look back on them with that rose-colored tint because it's how I was designed, or it was how... Humans are supposed to interact. It's hard. It's really hard to tell. But looking back at it and really considering it, I definitely would look at it as a limited intake situation. The 
the Red Spotted Newt in Hazard, Kentucky. It's on 221 Memorial Drive. Um, the Red Spotted Newt's a local bookstore, and as an author, independent bookstores are very important to me. As somebody who just likes to read, independent bookstores are very important to me. Uh, am I fairly partial to the Red Spotted Newt? Of course I am. It's the only place that my books are available. Um, they're open Saturday 12 to 6, Tuesday 12 to 6, uh, Wednesday 12 to 6, Thursday 12 to 6, and Friday 12 to 6. I can't recommend this place enough. Uh, it's a great part of a rebirth of a small town in eastern Kentucky. Great people, wonderful selection. You can't go wrong with the Red Spotted Newt in Hazard, Kentucky. Now let's look at today. Let's look at our present situation. YouTube. Numerous, numerous uses. Let's look at music videos. Unlimited music videos. For the most part, if it ever aired on TV, that music video is more than likely available in some capacity on YouTube. If not on YouTube, I'm sure there's somewhere you could find it. If you couldn't find it, you could possibly find a, a blog or a post or something about it with some information around it. But more than likely, you could find it and see it. If it was, quote, popular music or uh, music that had obtained a large level of notoriety, it's almost guaranteed that you could find it. There's no more scheduled viewing at all. It's there, and, and it's tangible, and it's there at the touch of a finger. It, it's any time you want it, any time you need it, it's there. Movies and movie streaming. There was a movie that I used to watch with my dad. I watched it a couple times when I was younger. We had two video stores that I frequented around the house, Movies and Munches and Video Solution. Only one of them had this movie, and it's hard for me to remember which one. I believe it was Video Solution. Um, the movie was called They Call Me Bruce. It's a 1970s comedy, martial arts, goof, like spoof film. Um, it's not winning any awards. It's not, I would assume, was never a major success. It's just a hard, obscure movie to find. And if you get into the horror genre or the B-movie genre, there's a lot of movies that are really obscure and hard to find. That's not really... The horror movie is not really my my forte, but, you know, there's a lot of these movies that are hard to find. There's a movie called Samurai Cop, one of the worst movies ever made in regards to its quality. One of the best movies ever made in regards to its poor quality. Um, it was a movie that I saw once as a rental and never really could find or see again. Uh, very much like they call me Bruce. Uh, there was a movie that I had heard about but had never seen called The Room. It's supposed to be the worst movie ever made. And extremely comedically pleasing without the intent of being comedically pleasing because it was such a poor movie, so poorly written, so poorly made. 
it was a movie that, to my knowledge, did not exist in any physical form for the masses. And I'd only heard about this movie for a large part of my life. And movies were just as important to me as music growing up. I looked now at streaming services. Not only is the room available <clears throat> almost any time I want to watch it, but it becomes so available and the cult grew so large, I would have to say in part due to its sudden availability, that a large Hollywood movie was made about it called The Disaster Artist. I can watch Samurai Cop anytime I want. They Call Me Bruce is easy to find. Movies I grew up with like Rad that never had a DVD <coughs> release and a limited VHS release um, not only are now available to stream anywhere, but are now available to buy in special edition packages and things of that nature. The movie experience has changed. I don't have to wait for a new movie to come out in the movie theaters. Go see it at a scheduled time on a scheduled night in a limited window of months. Or wait for it in turn to be released to a video store and go rent it. Hope that it's there. Hope that someone doesn't have it. Hope that there's an available copy. Bring it, bring it home, watch it in a limited amount of time and return it before there's some monetary penalty uh, put on me for not doing so. With the advent of streaming and, and now direct release to homes, almost any movie is at the touch, tip of your fingers. And that, especially when that first become possible, was tremendous for me. I mean, the ability to have every bad martial arts film made in the 80s right there for my taking was... I can't explain the joy that I felt. Searching and digging and looking for copies of Fletch and uh, all these great 80s comedies on DVD was over. There they were. I could stream them. And that, in turn, has, in a lot of cases, brought out physical releases because I still like physical media. <clears throat> and I'm able to find that media bring it home, have that physical copy. I think due in large part to the fact that it had become so easily accessible digitally. I remember this love for radio. This ideal that in regards to music I loved and music I wanted to listen to. The ideal that even though I was alone in my room or in a car, wherever I may be, or even with just a couple of people, there were thousands. In some cases, you know, possibly 
hundreds of thousands, especially around Louisville, <clears throat> of people listening to the same thing I was listening to. I didn't choose this song. I didn't choose to have it played at this time. It came to me, and it came to me spontaneously and unscheduled at a point where I was able to enjoy it with millions of people everywhere, thousands of people, hundreds of people, whatever the case may be. But other people were enjoying it at the same time I was enjoying it, even if they weren't there. And that ideal always kind of infatuated me. It always kind of made me happy, to be honest. I look now at something like XM Radio. Let's look at XM Radio in, let's say, 2005. Here is this opportunity to see or to hear the style of music, the type of music you want to hear with a lot of interaction from the bands and stuff that you want to hear, separated by genre and all these things. Here it is. I don't have to listen through four um, top 20 pop hits and two soft rock songs and 40 commercials. Here it is, the the music I like, separated by genre and, and, and just commercial-free, accessible at any moment in time. I go even further, and I look at Apple Music today. Just in that short span, that in a lot of ways, you know, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Music, is replaced satellite. Because... I don't have, with satellite, I was still limited to that order, that order that was presented and put forth by someone else. Someone else was choosing my music for me. And that's still possible on these other surfaces, but I have 2,000-some songs downloaded onto my phone. At any moment in time, I sit down and play what I want to hear, when I want to hear. Nothing new, nothing I don't want to hear, what I've chosen to listen to. And it's limitless. I mean, I guess with the exception of Garth Brooks, I believe he's still not available on... I just I seen an article that said that there, there's some other artists who have never given in. I know for a long time a band I really liked, Tool, had not given in and allowed their music to be on Apple and on streaming services. They felt like their albums were best experienced as a whole from beginning to end. <clears throat> and that makes me think about cassettes. And records. Records is something that I dabble with a little as a younger person and something that I've delved more into as an adult in recent years. But cassettes, before CDs, were my main form of media. And with cassettes, I could fast-forward, rewind, and things like that. But it's so much easier. Just put the cassette on, rewind it to the beginning, side one, hit play. It's not all the way through. Flip it over. It's not all the way through the side, side two. 
I found in later years that records are the same way. Often when I put on records, I just put it on the first song, just the whole side of the record, flip it over. I still listen to a lot of cassettes, do them very much the same way. I don't even give thought to the idea of looking for one particular track. Enjoy the album as a whole, unless it's a single. You know, I mean, I don't get a lot of those, but it's possible, you know, to get those. When CD came along and replaced the cassette, any hassle or frustration of trying to stop exactly on the right song or find the end of a certain song, <clears throat> that was gone. And here you were left with the ability to, in regards to that one band and that one album and that group of songs, to access any song at any time you wanted. You could skip the filler songs or the deep cuts and go straight to whatever it was that drew you to the band. And I would say in personal preference, I've started to become more particular about songs and, and giving bands less attention to just the tracks that didn't appeal to me. Maybe not even really giving some tracks a fair shot. Now, we started out in the last segment talking about cartoons. My son loves animation. Loves it. But in a different way than I liked animation. Any cartoon basically ever made some really obscure stuff I didn't know was made in some way is available to some degree. Between YouTube and streaming services, it's there. But also... This ability to interact and hear things about about um, to hear things about the actual cartoonist and the actual cartoon and design aspects and everything anything involving that cartoon is available. Now, I don't have to get my information from a library or from a book even. I don't have to get it from the news and those around me. There's unlimited statistical information available at the tips of, tip of my fingers. We now live in a point in time where knowledge is limitless. You just have to seek it out. Information is limitless. Just have to seek it out. So, that very limited world in regards to how things were available and the possibility for intake for me as a child has completely and totally flipped for my children. It's went from a limited intake society to a limitless intake society. Greetings. We come in peace. Hello, everyone. I'm Goose. And I'm Cronkite. We want to invite everyone to tune in to Here to Chew Bubblegum. That's right. Here to Chew Bubblegum. We talk about UFOs, extraterrestrials, paranormal. Time travel, other dimension. You name it, we talk about it. Conspiracies, extra dimensions. The government, the government secrets, black projects, 
Everything. What, what what don't we talk about? We talk about everything on Here to Chew Bubblegum. You can also check out our website, heretochewbubblegum.com. I guess the question is, what has this done in regards to the small things that maybe we don't look at? Or maybe the big things that we haven't seen. All of those cartoons are infinitely at my son's fingertips. And his love for Hanna-Barbera and older cartoonists, Rankin and Bass, people of that nature, and his knowledge based on them are immense. And he's watched tons of cartoons, don't get me wrong. But maybe the cartoons don't have as much value to him as they have had to me. To him, it's the information about them, the methods of making them. It's it's all those details that has more value to him than the actual cartoons themselves. And that does not mean that their seemingly unlimited availability caused that. It could simply be the type of person he is. That's That's true. But there are no more Saturday morning cartoons. Not in the way that there was. Television in itself, there's no more scheduled viewing. There's no more reading the TV guide, waiting for something. Everything's streamable, available, bingeable, watchable at almost any time if you'll put the effort and sometimes the expense into doing it. But the possibility's still there. And what does that do? Well, I mean, I look at television. I have... The Pawn Stars channel. I have the um, Kardashian channel. I have the Office slash um, South Park channel. I have the Impractical Jokers channel. I have the um, multitude of Family Guy slash American Dad channels. I have the Big Bang channel. Um, you know... I have all the sports channels that already existed, and I have all of the shopping channels that were there. But I look at what, say, Comedy Central used to be. All the original programming, all the different shows, all the movies they would show, and I'm basically stuck with the Office slash South Park channel. You know, I look at the History Channel, and I'm stuck with the... Depending upon the time period uh, and what mood they're in, I'm stuck with either the Ancient Aliens channel or the Palm Star slash Pickers channel or the Pickers slash Aliens channel, depending. Now, there was a point in time where it was the Hitler channel, channel, I understand that, but there was a point in time where the Learning channel was actually more designated towards learning. The Discovery channel more designated towards discovery, and the History Channel, more designated towards history. And before there was the Rob Deirdrick Channel, there was music television, where music videos were prominent. But do those music videos have any value anymore? Do they have any significance, any importance? Is anyone waiting at the verge of excitement for the premiere of the music video from their favorite artist. 
Well, they're not waiting on MTV because they won't see it. They won't see it on Fuse, and they won't see it on VH1. If they're waiting, they're probably waiting on YouTube. But I don't know how excited and how focused they are on that one release of that one video. Because there's so many releases of so many videos from so many different options. And so the value of those music videos, due to them being limitless, faded. A lot of bands, I would assume, don't even make music videos anymore. And if they do, what kind of reaction do they get? What kind of importance do they have to the overall musical experience of a fan as a whole in comparison to what they used to have? The same way those cartoons maybe don't have the value that they used to have. Movies, I mean, the experience, the theater experience, for the last year has been non-existent. And that's due to COVID. But I think that was inevitable. <clears throat> Many of the, well, there was only two local theaters theaters. Uh, in the town right 30 minutes away from me, and one of them's been closed down well before COVID, and the other wasn't in good shape and in desperate need of repair and, and not the best facility for a long time. I understand I go other places, there's bigger and better theaters and blah, 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 but the numbers would show that it's not the industry it used to be. Whereas streaming and viewing at home largely increased. But a lot of movies aren't getting a share of the market that they once got because the market is somewhat limitless. That's not necessarily a bad thing for the consumer. Not initially. But if it starts to take away from the industry, then the industry starts to take away from the consumer. But the biggest, the biggest of all these unlimited changes is that information. You know, and that interactiveness. How socially limited we once were in our ability to see and interact and be around people. Especially in a very rural setting like I lived in. In a city, you've got malls and places you could be and stuff. And as you got older, that happened. But even as kids, especially here, you were limited to those people who lived around you. And, and every case was different. You can't look at it with a singular view. A lot of people had tons of kids that lived around them. Tons of family, tons of other people. And they, in return, had more access to interaction in regards to interaction outside of these scheduled and allotted times. But now, with social media, it's completely and totally unlimited. You could attempt to at least message, talk, or check in on anyone who has social media at any time. And that's probably a majority of the people you know, because there's very few people without it. What kind of value has that taken away from public interaction? From the ability to meet with someone and do something? I can't speak for everyone. And I could be wrong and 
grossly inaccurate. But, to me, it appears that it's taken away a lot of that value. Sitting a lot of people I know. See it myself. It becomes harder to get yourself in situations where it's possible to have that interaction. That's not going to be true for everyone. I know that. And people try to look at things as a collective. And it's percentage-wise on the whole, across the board, the statement's accurate. For you individually, for your life, and what situation you're in, or maybe a thousand people that you know, it may be inaccurate. I don't know. We know a lot more people. We electronically interact with a lot more people. But I don't know what type of relationship and quality of relationship and physical interactions we have with those people. It's limitless now. The possibility is limitless. The ability to interact is limitless. But is the quality the same? I don't know. But that's changed. It's changed drastically. The way we get and intake information. No more libraries, none of that. Here's all this information. I think it's made it clear over the years that a lot of information is biased. A lot of information is incorrect. A lot of the information we used to receive as part of our education in school was biased, inaccurate, incorrect, immoral, just wrong. History has changed, evolved, become more accurate in some circumstances, less accurate in others, and our availability of that information has become more abundant. Click of a finger can ask any question, get any number of answers, and with enough work, work out what is more than likely, highly statistically, the correct answer. Staff Google, get them things like DuckDuckGo, things that aren't restrictive or aren't trying to limit options for answers and options for searches, things that aren't trying to tell you what you want to see then it becomes even exponentially higher, the possibility of getting information and answers. Life has become, in so many regards, for the average person, limitless. Limitless music. Limitless entertainment. Limitless movies. Limitless social interaction, even if it is digital. Limitless reading, limit, limitless audiobooks. Life has become a life without limits. Not a life without self imposed restrictions, which is what that, or any imposed restrictions, which is what that saying generally references. Life has become a limitless in intake. We can have anything we want in regards to what entertains us. Does that mean we have a higher quality of music, a higher quality of movies, a higher quality of television, a higher quality of uh, news, a higher quality of information, a higher quality of social interaction? I believe every one of those instances, to me, is, is no. It's not necessarily that we have a lower quality. It's just not necessarily 
necessarily that we have a higher quality. In some of those situations, in independent situations, it's very much higher, and others is very much lower. It's not just a simple yes or no question, which 90% of life isn't simply a yes or no question, but other benefits to that life and to that limitless access. I would say so. Are there detriments? Obviously, I would say there is, especially in the social media end. Um, and for artists, I think in the entertainment end, especially the music end, I think there's some different, definite detriments. But going forward, are we better off? Are we worse off? That's hard to tell from my point of view. Reason being, I'm kind of that bridge. See, the generation right before me is completely unknown to them, the possibility as they got older, up until actual adulthood, above 25, whatever, that this was even possible to live the way we live now. In in response, many of those embrace today very much so and have very little issue maybe reconciling the present with the past. Now, the generation after me, they've grown up with it their entire life. So it's easy for them to look back and cherry-pick the things they like from the past and go, oh, I like this fashion, I like this music, I like this, and not put a whole lot of invested value in the past. But they're very accepting of this limitless situation they're in because it's what they know and it's how they have experienced life, and they see no issue with it. But people of my age and my generation, some, not all, you were kind of the bridge from that past to that future. And it's not really fun being that bridge because you feel as though you're losing the past that was part, maybe 50% of your life up until that point. And you have no control over the future that this bridge has taken you to. That's going to be the other 50% or more of your life, depending on how you live. And these changes were not cemented and concreted once you actually reached adulthood. You reached adulthood or started the, uh, started the, the transition into adulthood really in the middle of the transition. And that makes it hard. I would say just look at your past, look at your present, and consider your future. The limits that were in place at all those junctures and the possible loss of even more limitations going forward. It's an interesting thought exercise. I really enjoy it. Thank you. Don't suck, don't dine, be good to people.